0: watches podcast on this week's episode we have john weber on from par weber watches and we're talking with john about his watch the coefficient and the completely original all new technology behind it enduroloom forewarning this may be our most technical episode yet so get ready because we definitely get real nerdy with it
1: Welcome, everyone, to episode 48 of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. We are closing in on episode 52, which would mean we've made it to one year, uh, which is crazy. Um, And we are uh, pleased to have another special guest with us tonight. We've been having a lot of guests on lately, but it was one of those things where... We kept getting awesome guests lined up and we realized, holy crap, it's it's early November and we've scheduled through the rest of the year, which was really cool. Um, so we didn't have to worry about what we're going to talk about each week. So we have with us tonight, John Weber from Par Weber. John, welcome. Hello.
2: Hello. Good to see you guys.
1: Well, John, I don't know uh, if you've listened to any of our episodes uh, previously course, to prep yeah. for this, um, mm-hmm. but- Okay, so you know that we start out with a drink check and a wrist check. So, what's in the glass and what's on the wrist?
2: So, on the wrists, of course, I'm wearing uh, the Weber coefficient on one wrist, uh, and I'm also wearing uh, my most prized possession, which is my grandfather's 1960s Omega Seamaster. Ooh, cool! So it's sort of. I mean, That's you, you probably person. can't. You probably can't imagine, you know, more polarized watches than these. But, um, you know, such such <laughs> a spectrum of my of my love for watches. And in a cup well, that's here, good to got, hear. and
1: then, uh,
2: yeah, yeah. I've got, I'm, I'm keeping it simple. Uh, I'm drinking a hot toddy with uh bullet rye. Uh, I'm, I i got to keep warm in Chicago. You know, that's, that's really the purpose of this. Yeah. These
1: oh man. Bullet rye is one of my favorites. So that is a, that is an excellent choice. And you guys are probably a few degrees colder than we are today. I think we got up to like 44 down here in mm-hmm. Cincy. So, uh, yeah, I get percentage. it. I got family up that direction. So yeah, um, we'll see them in a few weeks. Hopefully the kids will get to play with some more snow than they did down here. <laughs> entirely possible (laughs) spangler what have you got for us uh
0: so uh on the wrist i'm bringing back an old favorite that i I honestly haven't worn for a while now uh but it's my grand seiko i'm gonna do a little self-plug here that if anybody is looking to buy one of these i'm going to put this up for sale (laughs) so it's uh my grand seiko sbgk005 um so you know if anybody's out there and like they're is, one of these i've got one for, for sale.
1: somebody who doesn't know that is that the blue hand-wound mount mount awate yeah. dial oh yes it is the blue limited edition let me emphasis
0: limited edition blue awate dial <laughs> hand wound uh 1500 pieces so it could be one of 1500 people out there um it's pretty exclusive um and in the glass i have a A recent pickup actually it's a 1792 single barrel which along with my foolproof 1792 won two awards at some whiskey competition that i looked up maybe like i don't know 20 minutes ago um (laughs) i totally forget what it is but it's apparently pretty good and i think it's all right it's not the most
1: amazing it's not i would not recommend this actually but yeah that's my opinion um but yeah that's what i'm drinking that's what i've got on the wrist so that was almost like a mini fresh forum find uh, there, since we're not going to be doing one of those tonight. Although, if it's true, it, it probably won't be on a forum since it's Spangler. Look for it on eBay, clearly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look for it on the Facebook Grand Seco owners group. That's, oh, that, okay. That'll be the first place to see it at.
1: We'll start there. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, maybe for any of those of you listening, maybe see it in the Red Bar of Cincy group chat on Instagram first, too. Also, <laughs> yeah. to that, too. Yep. Also that, uh, for our listeners who are, uh, part of that group chat with us, I'll go next since I know what Buzzy has on the wrist. Um, and I'll start with what's in the glass. Um, I was lucky enough. uh, I was out browsing, trying to find some stuff, uh, some bourbon the other day, which as, as you all know, has been some slim pickings down here, but I was, I actually had an eye exam. So I was near a different Kroger than I normally frequent. And I was like, you know, I'm going to go pop in. I'm sorry. Exactly. It's a very Ohio story. Yes. So I was was near a different Kroger. So I pop in and I'm looking and they have a decent selection on the shelf. And was like, you know, it's nothing I haven't seen anywhere else. And I'm I'm about to turn to walk out. And I was like, oh, they had a massive display of Weller Special Reserve, which I've never had heard was good and uh, was pretty excited to see. And then I saw the price and was even more excited. So I snagged a couple bottles for myself and a couple bottles for some friends uh, who were on the podcast. Uh, one of you's gotten the bottle yet? One of you hasn't. So I got some Christmas gifts for the boys. Um, so I'm drinking some Weller Special Reserve, and uh, I gotta say, pretty impressed. I know it's just their their regular entry level bottle, uh, the original weeded bourbon, but um, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. It's a solid drinker for a uh, for its uh, normal uh, price point, which is great. And then uh, on on my wrist, I've got uh, my Tudor. Black Bay steel, the, uh, the original watch in the collection, uh, the one that's going to the firstborn son, put it back on the bracelet, forgot how good the bracelet was. Um, really, really just a phenomenal piece. Um, and speaking of family, we're recording on December 20th. I would be remiss to not be wishing my grandfather a happy 86th birthday. Uh, we talked to him earlier today. I know he's an avid listener of the podcast. So grandpa, happy birthday. I can't wait to see in about a week or so, uh, around new years. So, uh, with that out of the way, Buzzy, bring us home, please.
3: All right. Hey, happy birthday, Grandpa Spence and uh,
1: John. Grandpa Gill. Grandpa Gill. Grandpa Gill. Okay. I'm Outside. outside. <laughs> Got to be clear. Spence's grandpa. That's what There I we go. Say.
3: All right, John. I like the hot toddy approach. That's very wise. That's a that's a good kind of health beverage, if yes. you will, it's an uh, for for the winter. <laughs> it is it is. And then I also, Evan, the uh trading post uh on the, it's very good. The, you know, I don't know how many podcasts we have, uh you know, where, where we're actually trying to sell our own watches. So that's pretty cool. So if anyone's I'm interested, of what,
0: what I have here. So
3: if anyone's interested, a pretty sweet, sweet
0: mustache, <laughs> uh, a mustache and a pretty amazing bolo tie. Yeah, that no for can, sale? See, can I buy that? I, I just bought this. This is not for sale. This is very sentimental okay. now. I'm still going. My, I'm going through my honeymoon phase with my bolo tie. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh.
3: Understood. So, uh, in my in my glass is not enough. Weller weeded bourbon. Uh, it's delicious. It's nutritious. Extra special. Thank you to Spencer Claus for dropping this bottle off. <laughs>
1: A might very, be the first time we've had matches on in the glass. I think so. I think it might be. <laughs> I think so.
3: Yeah. Well, so th- th- this should uh, be an illuminating episode. We've, I've got the uh, R Weber <laughs> coefficient on my wrist and uh, I, I've been lucky enough to have this uh, with me for a little while. It's so the Enduro loom, the, the always on led loom tech is like the first, that's the major thing uh, that jumps out at you. You're not going to notice it in the middle of the day, but with little light or in the dark, you definitely will notice it. And it's, it's different than all of the other ways that we use to, uh, to try to tell what time it is at at the dark. Very cool. And we'll, we'll jump into that more later. Some kind of high points about this is it's really well put together. You, you did a very nice job with, with the components, the assembly, all, all of that. The bidirectional bezel and the, the style of the aperture ring is really nicely executed, 120 clicks, bidirectional, nice feel, and it's lined up perfectly. It, Trust me, and, that was a battle. It's always a battle, but that was a battle. <laughs> that and uh, you've got Rhonda, uh, Swiss Quartz Movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rhonda's got her stuff put together. Your Assembly House does too because every single tick is dead on the marker. I have a feeling that people would complain less about quartz if every quartz is... Hit so well uh, onto the markers. I mean, it's
2: yeah. It's it is funny excellent. the difference that makes. Like when you have a watch that's that's missing by a little bit, you can't help but see it every second you're looking at it, right? Um, and so if you don't get that just right, like we don't send out any any that um, that don't hit the markers, right? Um, that's that's like priority number one. So like if we ever see one, right, even in the wild, like we got one sent back recently. Like what the heck is going on here? Send it back because we don't want anyone to have one that has, uh, you know, one of those ragtag second hands. It's horrible. I agree with you. Also, I want to commend you guys for your courageousness for having a quartz watch on your podcast. <laughs> that's that's
0: brave. it's brave. It's brave. I think it's it's not the first one. It's not
2: the first. It isn't.
0: What's it's the not the first? first one. But we did convert that owner. Too mechanical. At least that's what I'm gonna say we did. Well, hold on, hold so, on. I
1: think in in fairness, I think John's first or second watch was a mechanical piece, and then he did the mecha chords and now he's back. He's got his latest ones mechanical. John uh, John Ferrer from Brew. So I, oh, he's God. going back and forth. I don't think we converted him, but but I'm gonna say we did. I'm gonna say maybe you. we did. We're gonna say we're gonna take credit for it. <laughs>
3: there we go. There we go. Yeah the 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 coefficient it. It's a bigger boy, right? I mean, it's it's 43 by 14, 48 lug to lug, but it's comfortable. Those lugs sit low on the case. And the crown rides pretty high, uh, which which is interesting. You don't see that too often, but there's like zero chance of of that crown digging into your wrist, which really makes a difference as, as far as I'm concerned. Big ups on the drilled lugs. And on the toolless spring bars on your leather strap, good touches. Also, nice touch. You took the case back, and you knew that you were going to use it for for uh, information sake. You put the batteries on that, Mm -hmm. which is great. There's no more. You'd have to open. Okay, let's open up up the back of this watch. Figure it out. Oh, none of that nonsense. You know exactly what wa- batteries go in there. And the lugs the reason why people
2: oh, no, hate quartz nice. watches. Because they're like, do I have the right battery? They're always like, do I have the right battery?
1: Can I find the right battery? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, does
3: my uh, ragtag collection of batteries that are already in with my watch gear, you know, yeah. do they still, will they work for it? Yeah. It, it just really great Thanks, touches man. the lug size I, I think that this watch would be excellent on uh, uh, a thick rubber strap a black oh, one yeah. maybe black with some red accents
1: Where, uh, just
3: ahead.
1: really really <laughs> well that one john's got one on a black rubber yeah one that looks go it's, really kind
2: of, really good. it's a little bit of a prototype right now it's not it's not completely worked out it's a little handmade but uh it, it feels good
1: nice
3: yeah yeah the, the PVD's done well, just has that that super uniform appearance. There, yeah. There's not, you know, this is brushed, this is polished, all of that. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just this hunk of material. You know that that's how it's supposed to be and just,
2: yeah, very, yeah. very good job. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, so much of what we did in putting together this watch was to make it, um, really function first, right? Really function first. Um and uh you know I have lots of watches that I love, right? I'm wearing my C Master right now. Um but when we developed Enduro Loom and I was thinking to myself, okay, what is who are the people who are going to want to use this watch, right? Um I wanted it to be like a best in breed, right? Like who is going to need this? We need to build it to their to their specifications, their needs, right? And sort of my my impulse was it's gonna be people who are working at night with their hands full, right? I mean, the story about me inventing it is I have my hands full with a baby, but you could just as easily have your hands full with a pipe wrench or, um, you know, any other type of um, precious cargo. Um, And so, so much of that was based around, you know, what, what do we, what, what do we think someone who's wants just a tool that does its job really well? um, What does it need to be? And what is it, what what are the performance characteristics it needs to have? And so that's really what, what informed our entire philosophy of designing this thing. Um, And of course it had to have all of that super high build quality that you're that you're talking about. And so I mean we, we found great partners in Switzerland to, to work with about that. We were really, really picky about it and, and we're really pleased with how it turned out.
3: Yeah, well, the, the, the build quality is there because at the end of the day, um, it's got to be it, you're doing something that's that's novel and non-obvious. Mm-hmm. yeah the enduro limit such a great breakthrough but if you didn't execute the rest of the launch up to that that standard it just that wouldn't be effective right that wouldn't be a winner long term but y- you've got both there so yeah very very
2: nice Thanks, work man. there i'm glad you've been enjoying it i mean it's sort of one of those subtle things too you know that um you can't really you can see pictures of it right but a picture doesn't really do it justice because when you're when you're in the bright daylight, you, you can't see it, right? It's 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 a it's a soft, subtle enough lighting that you just won't pick it up at all. It looks like it's not even there. Um, and then when you get it in the darkness, particularly if you've been in darkness for a while, your eyes become adjusted. I mean, the whole thing is is illuminated, and, and you can see everything on there. I mean, you can even make out um, if your eyes are totally adjusted, make out the date on the on the date function. Um, it's we're, we're really proud with how it pleased and pleased and proud with how it turned out. Um and right now we're just excited to get in more people's hands. I mean, we, we we're fortunate enough that the first the first um set of them, first partial run that we had, went pretty quickly. And then we managed to get some more in just before Christmas. Um, and we're seeing those start to go. So it's uh so far so good.
1: Very yeah, good. I mean, it's it's that's that's absolutely great to hear. I mean, it was funny because we've been corresponding and I, I knew with with the technology you had in it, we wanted to have you on the podcast because there aren't that many folks trying to attempt something completely new like you were doing, but at the same point I'd see I'd seen pictures of it and you're right, it doesn't do it justice. I was a little bit skeptical until you I was like, okay, I'm curious to see what this is gonna look like once I finally get it. And yeah. I had it for a few days before I, I you know Buzz ended up with it. And I was like, okay, the bezel works amazingly well, it has great bezel feel back and forth. Hundred twenty click bi directional. More people need to be doing that, in my opinion, because you know it. Not enough. We aren't, let's be real. We aren't diving with these things. And if we are, we have a dive computer because it's not safe to use just a dive watch anymore. Like why risk it? Like it's, it's on there for show. So bi-directional, perfect. The, the, it lines up perfectly. It has phenomenal bezel feel, which to me is, that's very important. And the build quality, like Buzz said is is right up there with anything else that I've seen in a very long time. So it was one of those when I got it in my hand, I was like, "Oh, right. yeah. this makes a lot more sense now. Like I, I I get it. I get what you're going for. And you're right. The enduro. I I you know I I did the same test that you did. You know we got it. I've got a uh, he's now 16 months, but you know he's a little bit younger putting him down at nap time, check the, check the Enduro loom. It, it's exactly, it, it's, it's meeting the exact function that you, uh, that you were hoping for because rem- you're holding yes, a baby. That- you can see what time it is. It's perfect.
2: That's like, that's like when, I, when I was coming up with this idea and telling, you know, skeptical family members, about, they're like, how many dads, John, how many dads are out there? You know, we're going like, like, you're missing the point. You're missing the
1: point. At least, you know, it's, one, at least one more.
2: <laughs> <laughs> at least I, but I always like hearing about that original use case. The Eureka moment sort of lives on uh, in the hands of
1: others. That's yeah. True. It makes perfect sense. I mean, because I'll be honest, I have a couple of Casios that have the backlight, you know, that, but it's not always on. And like when you're doing stuff, you can't get over there and turn, like, turn your wrist and press the button. The kid knows that. Yeah. And then they wake up and all that um, is so- wasted and you don't know how long.
2: That's why there. the babies, it's like a bomb. A, ba- a baby is like a very delicate bomb. <laughs> and so like when I, when I, the, when I originally was, you know, putting my kid down in the middle of the night, um, I was wearing a Seiko diver, right? And like, it has excellent loom, right? Amazingly good loom. Um, but it was like 4 a.m. And I hadn't remembered to like put it under a light before I went to bed, you know? And so it just <laughs> wasn't really working anymore. Uh, and you know, and I was like, wow, this, this is not great. And my other watch was, uh, you know, a DW 5600 uh, G shock that I could have done. Right. That's mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, it's got a, uh, yell backlight on it, but you either have to press the button or you have to do this maneuver with your, with your wrist to try to make it turn on. And, and you can't do that with a baby. <laughs> um, anyway, nope. so I, was just, I was just like puzzling. You know, I had a, I had a tritium watch. I'm also old enough to have owned tritium watches that have died um you know because over 10 20 years they just lose their glow right which is the nature of the half-life of um of tritium um and so i was sort of sitting there puzzling i was like in this modern era of ours with all of these like amazing electronics and semiconductors and blah 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 you know why isn't there a a long-lasting sort of continuous glowing electroluminescence solution i just couldn't understand it and then i you know, and then I started the whole process of tinkering around with stuff and sort of remembering some old electronics education that I once upon a time had.
1: I mean, that's just, a, that's just a great story. So, I mean, I know buzz is going to get into some of the technical stuff here in a little bit. So why don't you kind of walk us through how you went about designing the Enduro yeah. you know, technology, how you decided to go about, you know, a separate battery and, and that type of component. And then yeah. a little bit about the design and kind of, kind of walk us through that, that whole rabbit hole. And I feel like, once you start to get into the details, that's when buzz is going to start yeah. uh, start really taking over for us.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, after after this, you know, incident with my infant at four a.m., I um, I started playing around. I had you know a little bit of electronics. I had like a soldering iron around and things like that. And I was like, why Why might this not work? Right? And I was able to sort of test the bounds of like what standard little you know like little LEDs with the little legs on them. And they put them into a breadboard and you you test them, and you put oh, yeah. some resistors together and see whether you can make it light up at night, right? And I'd, I'd gotten close to like the low low uh, power uh, consumption requirements that I needed, but I still wasn't even close, right? So I I knew that I needed to like get a little more sophisticated, blah, blah, blah. And I started going around and, and talking with people who I knew were to be knowledgeable, you know, more knowledgeable than me. I'm not an engineer. I'm not, I don't have a background in any of this stuff. Um, and most people told me that it wasn't going to work, right? Um, most people said, oh, yeah, you know, in theory, an LED might be have a little bit of light, but not anything that, that would be useful, right? Uh, not anything that you'd be able to like see with the naked eye, maybe with a high sensitive camera or something like that. Um, and And I was just like, all right, well, well, what if I just start trying? right? What if I just start trying? um to make this thing work and and you know so it was like stepwise it's like any you know invention development where i i had like a tiny little bit of success by accident because i i happened to get one led from a good manufacturer like these are the things that i learned over time was like an led is not an led is not an led right um they vary significantly um across manufacturers they may vary significantly even within one manufacturer and maybe even within a single manufacturing run um so this became sort of like the white whale was like, are there LEDs that are even capable of doing this? Right. Um, and so I spent just like, you know, weeks. Um, and this was a a sort of a funny time where I basically decided that I was going to stop doing my old job because my old job was highly incompatible with having a, a child. I was a consultant and I was flying around and things like that. And, uh, and I had like a little bit of time, a little bit of wiggle room. And that's when I started playing with this stuff and, you know, losing my mind. And, uh, and and so I was getting, you know, writing manufacturers, I was getting data sheets of all these LEDs and looking at them. But what I found was that basically all the information you can get from manufacturers about making an LED run is all about how do you overdrive the thing? How do you get it as bright as possible, right? Um, and how do you cool it? And how do you, right? Because that's basically what everyone's interested in, right? They want lighting and things like that. Whereas I wanted the opposite. And uh, on data sheets that you get with an LED, um, in the power range that I wanted to work in, it's not even on the graph it's like it's like in the origin you can't like there's no way to get this information and you'd even call the manufacturer they're like we don't know um (laughs) and so you'd have to actually like buy them and test them And, and so i went on this sort of like long process of finding out whether it was possible and i started getting encouraged because i did find a few um that seemed to like illuminate within the power ranges that i needed um and and then it became a question of okay now you got the damn thing Actually, illuminating something within a power engine, but how do you make that light usable? How do you actually get it to where you need it? How do you actually um, make sure that you're not losing light unnecessarily? Um, because, you know, the principles of something like a backlight are very similar, right? Uh, you know, on a, on a computer screen or something like that, you've got an LED strip along the bottom, maybe, and it's shooting light upwards into a diffuser. But those are Not that efficient. I mean, they're efficient compared to other lighting solutions. They're the most efficient available. But in terms of like my needs, which were extremely low uh, power consumption, um, there's a lot of loss in things like at the junction point between the LED and the diffuser and things like that. So there's all these like factors that came into actually coming up with a workable system. And uh, ultimately, I sort of figured out, well, we've got to embed the LEDs within the diffusion substrate and like actually make it a complete unitized thing and then on top of that you have all of the challenges of actually fitting that into a watch case in between the movement and the hands um which is not a whole lot of room to work with uh as i found out anyway so that's sort of like the that's sort of like the intro to to, to how this all started and like throughout that whole thing i had to learn all kinds of new skills that i didn't have like how to design pcbs and uh and like do three uh, D computer animate you know computer assisted design, and uh, and work with work with other engineers because then ultimately I had to get the thing manufactured and blah blah blah. Anyway, I'll stop there because I can just keep going on and on about this stuff. But um, yeah, let me stop there. Buzz, what do you think? You you're
3: speaking my language, John. You really are, <laughs> oh, and so good. Number one, ha- hats off to you because when. We we had our daughter when she was that young. I was not about to take on any extra projects, uh, especially ones that required brain power. So I, I'm I'm fairly impressed that you are able to. You know, push ahead and come
2: uh, up this is, with this. I, this, so this is a little bit down the line. I had the eureka moment, and then, and then, like, you know, my kid started sleeping a little better, and then I was able to find the brain space to work on this thing. Uh, so I'm not some kind of superman okay. who can work on like 15
3: minutes of sleep on a night. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Post sleep training. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think it's uh it's really interesting I mean I'm a mechanical engineer but I have um, a decent enough background in electrical and electronics
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, so I've wired up plenty of circuits yeah picked the right resistors to make a LED light up and not go pop the first time exactly. that you you light it uh, yeah, it, it's, so an LED, all it is, is a, a bunch of little phosphors, this kind of magic pixie dust that is deposited in a cup. And then there's uh, another, and that's connected to one of your leads. And then there's a, uh, another lead and you put electricity through there the correct way, one direction only mind you, okay. and not too much. Because otherwise it goes pop and doesn't work. But uh, you, you pass the electricity through there, those phosphors glow, and everybody's happy. So, of course, that takes current. Batteries—they can only produce current for so long before before they're drained. Before they said, "You know what? I'm tired. I'm tired of this job." Right.
2: <laughs> That's what so, well, I mean, and the yeah, funny they're, thing that. I was just going to say, that, you know, like LEDs are rated at a certain current rating, right? Like they have a certain voltage. The way LEDs work is they have a, you know, it's called a voltage drop. Um, and so they function at different voltages. Um, but generally, they're all spec to run at a certain current, right? And generally, the standard, at least industry standard, is 20, <laughs> 20 milliamps, right? And so I'll try to decode this for everyone because it, you don't need to actually know the numbers. But just as, think of that as like 20,000 of something, right? Um, 20 milliamps. And um, what I'm running this thing off of is, you know, ten a uh, one ten thousandth of that, right? Um, so, so you've got like, if you were to run these LEDs at their rated, um, at their rated <coughs> current rating, you would get a bright light. You would get a light that would look like a little flashlight, right? And and you'd be like, oh, this is nice, a little flashlight. But if you ran it on the battery that's in the watch, it would run for about five hours, right? It would, that it would and then it would be dead. And so I had to go somewhere between five hours, of the rated the rated and the rated brightness to 25,000 hours. And so like, that was the, that was the bridge that I had to, to, to span. Um, And, 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 and ultimately, you know, and there's lots of ways that you can drive LEDs and blah, blah, blah. Again, we're getting really technical here. Um, But, but, but ultimately it was funny because we, we talked a little bit about, you mentioned before the show, um, what about other ways to sort of power the LEDs, right? You know, just not just the battery supplement it with something else. Right. Um, And that's definitely possible um but then you start running into even more problems in terms of space inside the watch case right uh because you've got if you've got a if you've got a solar dial those dials are actually pretty thick they they actually have to you know have the entire solar panel in there um or if you've got a, a kinetic watch and actually i don't I, to be honest with you the kinetic watches i'm not that familiar with i, mean, I don't even know if they've been made that much recently i feel like they're sort of a a curio I think they're on, kind of on their way out yeah yeah um but but they're cool because basically it's like having like a, an automatic watch in there that's like a little dynamo i still think that's really cool mm-hmm. it's like you got a little power generator in, in your on your wrist um and so i think those things are in theory um possible to to sort of supplement it and maybe extend the life but you're just you're just running all kinds of problems of like how do you actually get it to fit inside uh that watch case right and um and these are already problems that we had just with the battery that you need. So the battery that we, we have, you know, we have two batteries in there. Um, and the reason for that was simple, really. It was, I mean, I wanted there to be one battery, but uh, good luck trying to convince Ronda or uh, some other movement manufacturer to modify their movement just for you. Right. Um, and <laughs> and so, so we had like prototypes up and running where it was just single battery running both the movement and the illumination system. But to get it in there, you know, it had like little tiny wires and it was totally jerry-rigged. Um, it's more of a proof of concept than anything else. And I mean, it was a bitter pill to swallow and I was like, oh God, I really have to just have a separate battery for this because um, because it's it's just much more user friendly that way. If, if we were to in-house modifying these movements for people, you know, it would be all finicky and they wouldn't want to change the battery themselves this way. Like the way it is built in there right now, basically, you open the case back, you lift off the first battery, which is the which is the EnduroLoom battery, and then you're just presented with the back of the movement, just like any other time, right? So it's super simple and super easy to to actually do that all yourself. and And we've sort of roughly uh, calibrated the the battery life so that it's equal. So basically, like if if the lights stop going out on, on your or start going on your watch, like you should just replace both batteries at once, and that way you don't have to open the watch any more frequently than you ever would uh, with a normal quartz watch.
3: Yeah. So essentially to try to get them to run off of one battery that, that was going to save you some thickness because you Mm -hmm. wouldn't have the, the separate Enduro in one behind it. Exactly. But it just wasn't doable. I mean, so even before we, we get down the rabbit hole of, you know, you, you, going from LED out to LED, realizing that you have to run these at like four orders of magnitude, less current than they yeah. normally do. I'm interested really back in, in the overall concept
2: mm-hmm.
3: of this. You, you've got, got a little kid and you, you just, none of your watches are doing it for you. Did, were there any other concepts besides, inventing this led system i mean did I mean, anything else appeal to you <laughs> at
1: all or in, terms, in terms of I solving that particular it.
3: problem um well it, it yeah i mean you, you you know loom and tritium and all of that and you, you've mm-hmm. traded them off i mean that's a very large scope decision in an engineering product. And, and that's an important trade-off to do. And uh, so I just, it's very, you know, it's an impressive thing that you've built, but I'm saying like at the onset of a project to say, hey, we're going to invent this whole new thing.
2: You know, yeah, I mean, I haven't, you, I guess, I guess I would ask, you, you know, haven't you ever been uh, just perplexed by something? And hasn't something just, just sort of puzzled you? And been a bit of an and yeah, and 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 you just can't let go of that. I think that this is I think this is probably the the madness of anyone who invents anything, right? Is uh is that it's irrational. Everyone else is just gonna say, you know what I mean, like James Dyson, like who wants your stupid vacuum cleaner? Right? Like there's a million of them. <laughs> like, there yeah. are a million of these vacuum cleaners out there. And there are shop vacs and they're uprights and you know, like why? Um and I think that's true, right? But it's still I think also inventors and myself included, I do get a little bit irritated when things don't work as I need them to, right? Uh, and and I, I love, you know, I actually love the loom on that Seiko watch that I have, right? Um, and I think it's beautiful, right? And like the way that you paint it on there, you can have these beautiful designs on the face of the watch and so on. But it sort of like irritates me that it's working its best. At noon on a summer day, right like that 's not when I need this thing glowing. I need it when i've been in a cave for forty eight hours okay i haven 't been in a cave for 40 years, but that's my you know like that's my <laughs> my thought process. like if I really needed this thing to work, it wouldn't be working um and and so that's what like sort of like irked me and like just drove me to that point of I want something better than this, and i mean it's it is irrational when you're when you're when you start pursuing these types of things it, it is irrational but it's also intoxicating once you start having a little bit of success and like seeing whether how far you can take it, can you actually get it done? And then probably the most gratifying thing has been now that we actually get them into people's hands, like having people use it and say like, this is awesome. Like I've been wanting something like this, right? Like my tritium watch died and they quoted me like some ridiculous price to swatch out the tubes, you know? Um, and, and with our system, I mean, and we can talk about like it's longevity. Um, I don't anticipate that it's going to need um, like a, a wholesale replacement um, anytime soon. Like I, I anticipate these will run for decades uh, because they're being run essentially in like ideal conditions for these little LEDs. It's like totally low current, stable current, right? Um, it's it's These are very happy little LEDs and, and it's not like your light bulbs in your house where they're overheating or a capacitor goes out, some other electronic component goes out and they go out. So, I mean- uh, my, my, my hope is also that this isn't like a disposable thing. This is something that you you get and you can just use it until either until you die and pass it on or until you completely destroy it because you're awesome, right? Um, <laughs> anyway, that was, that was sort of like what would grasp me initially, Buzz, to be honest with you.
3: I mean, that's... So ultimately, inventions are made at, at pain points, right? What are, what are the pain points that people have with the current product? that's where you ideate and that's where you come up with new ways to accomplish whatever that product does. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was kind of, kind of cool that you managed to put together, you know, Hey, we we've got LEDs, maybe this could work. And then you just, yeah, and, I mean, until you figured it out.
2: Yeah, I and mean, I didn't even start with LEDs. I mean, I was looking at like, could I make a modified EL panel like like in Casios or like a Timex Indiglo? Right? I had I had some ideas about how that could be modified, but as it turns out, that that technology just fundamentally isn't as efficient as an LED. Um, and the the other option I was thinking was OLEDs. Right? I was like, oh, OLEDs. Everyone talks about OLED screens being so efficient, but really. A single OLED and a single conventional LED, if we can call it that, the conventional LED actually produces more light for any given amount of current. Um, the only reason that OLED panels are more efficient on a phone or something like that is because they can selectively turn off parts of the screen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so these were like things that these were things that we explored, um, and and fundamentally, I mean, there's also like limits on you know, you probably could have like a really amazing. OLED watch if you have some way of like electrifying the hands. Um, and, and doing like, you know, you could probably do like a moonshot like that. But it was like, I'm trying to also find something that's practical here. Um, that, you know, th- this business, which I'm running uh, is bootstrapped, I've, I've done all the investment, I've done everything so far. Uh, and so that was like its own secondary challenge of, um, you know, what is actually feasible? And can I find manufacturers who will build this thing? Um, and will it work? I mean, will it work?
3: Yeah, I- exactly. I mean, you need to be able to build it. You need to be able to build it for a price that people will buy it at. So, yeah, you, you've, you've got those you've got those constraints. I I really like your patent application, by the way. Oh, you looking- saw it? Okay, good. I'm glad you found it. Oh, yeah. Look, look at the one uh, filed with the uh, world uh, IP org. I couldn't find it, but I'm glad you found it. I did. It's out there. Don't, don't don't be scared the those checks that you cut to your uh, patent attorney it, you it. it got me something it got that's me something. right that's good that's thing. right yeah um so yeah everybody's uh, tuning in to this epi- week's episode of whiskey and patents um, oh, what a joy but yeah, they did a nice job um fairly broad um yeah 28 total claims four of them are independent um, i don't i
2: don't even understand this stuff just like i i had input on it and i was like tell me what that means in plain english and be, yeah. means this. i'm like i'm still not sure i know what that means but let's make this decision right yeah well they okay.
3: did a good job in my opinion obviously good. all this stuff that's good to hear I'm not a uh, not an attorney. Uh, so you looked at patents uh, stuff, obviously, uh, but but the claims seemed nice and broad, which is good. You 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 don't want to just explain exactly what you did uh, in the claimed matter. You you want to get the concept of what you did, and then you augment that in in dependent claims with more of the specifics so it it gives you the the widest possible you know a patent is an exclusionary uh benefit it's it's something that allows you to prevent other people from doing something it does not give you the rights to to do stuff Um, so the the more broadly you can describe it the better there's some really some cool stuff in there, too. Um, I'm interested, uh, if any of it's in the, the current product, mm, yeah. the, um, like the pulse width modulation uh, on the LEDs mm-hmm. to, to lower uh, the power consumption. And then like the uh, light sensor. Are those. those... Yeah. So uh, in terms of the current one,
2: we are not using PWM. Um, and we are also not using the light sensor and I can tell you why this, this will be like for you Buzz, which is, uh, which is that, uh, the, the light sensor, every, um, every single iteration we came up with that. And I think it's, I do think it's possible. And I think it's something we could come up with someday if we had like a, if we got someone to build a custom chip or something. Um, but, uh, basically with off the shelf parts, I think that it just takes, um, it takes too much power to run that circuit. Uh, versus just leaving it on all the time, because basically uh, to run a light sensing circuit, there's a little bit of quiescent power, and um, and that makes perfect sense if you have a bright light, right? But my light is so gentle that the power of the on-off circuit to sense things is more than just running it all the time, um, and so for that reason, we just kept things you know bog simple. There's there's basically nothing to go wrong in this thing, um, which is one of the one of the things that was very important um, as I was thinking about like making a claim that it's going to last for decades. Right. So
1: the Uh, funny thing about that is I'm going to, I'm going to relate that to something that I have always kind of been told. So like this goes back to grandpa to a degree. One of our cars has a auto on off system essentially. Mm -hmm. I've always kind of wondered, I've, I've heard at least, I I would imagine now that these engines that are in more modern cars are significantly more efficient, much like LEDs are significantly more efficient than incandescent bulbs. Um, The whole idea behind it was well, you leave the car running because it takes more gas and more energy to start the car. If you're just running in really quickly for a couple of minutes, you know, you stay in the car, I'm going to leave it running. Then that is... Right. So the whole, that the way you're explaining that is like, oh, this is like the whole idea of in a 1990s car, if I'm just mm-hmm. running in real quick, I'm going to lock the doors but leave it running because it uses less gas if I just leave it on for five minutes.
2: Right. And it's funny because I've heard that too. I remember hearing that when I was growing <laughs> up from like my parents. And, and I wonder whether it's like yep. some artifact of like... Carbureted engines or something that, like you know, ah, it might be like flood it and like send a whole cloud of black smoke out the back of the car just starting it up again. So, uh, you know, just leave it on. I've heard that too.
1: Yeah, but no, I mean, it makes sense. You know what you're saying with the the lights. You know, having using such little energy that it actually uses more energy to run a sensor. That is actually kind of that's you're looking to solve a problem. You're like, oh, this actually doesn't work as much, so it just makes more sense to leave them on all the time.
2: I, I can it was well, and, disappointing, and, but
1: because it would have been cool. <laughs> oh, it would have been really cool.
3: <laughs> but you know what? Maybe there there are times that maybe you want a brighter backlight normally, but you only want to run it at, at uh when it's dark out, and that's a way to do it. I mean, they that's just it. I mean, just because this particular instance of this technology doesn't need it doesn't mean that you won't use it down the road right. and
2: that, i mean that's why we put it right in right everything that we did develop and i mean the thing that i'm also very proud of is that you know a lot of patents get written and it's just like a bunch of random stuff that we thought up right and we you know like like theranos patents right We're like they didn't actually ever build a product that did the things they said right <laughs> And uh, I'm very proud that like what's in our patent is stuff that we have built right and now maybe that makes it more narrow. I could have just claimed the world um, but but I feel like you know there's we have a pretty strong stake around it and it's real um, which which i' I'm, I'm really proud of
3: Oh for sure for sure it it, it did a nice job I, I liked uh, the the specification did a very nice job of walking through the issues with the current state of the art and hence why yeah. this, you know, the, the novelty and usefulness and non-obviousness of these are the things that I actually did uh,
2: contribute to. So that's good to hear. That's the stuff that my patent attorneys have no idea about, right? They, they
3: learn from me. Um, that's great. <laughs> yeah, um, it's really, it was, it was good. Big fun. I don't. I don't get to uh, dig around in patents too much to prepare for the podcast. So thank you for for this oh, nice my, okay. uh, <laughs> nice vacation.
2: <laughs> yeah. Vacation. The vacation is doing stuff related to your work. It's a little bit work work vacation type thing. Yeah, sometimes it's good. That's good. Enjoy your work,
1: man. Um, so I want to get into. We've talked a lot about. The technical specifications behind the watch, yes. um, but Buzz did give it, and I, you know, I would agree with him. The actual watch, in and of itself, the substance, the movement, the build quality, the bezel. I mean, why don't we go ahead and just talk a little bit about the design? I mean, because it's the other thing I would say too is this isn't necessary. You could have done a stainless steel watch, I would imagine, with the same technology inside of it. I would think, you know, I, I'm sure there's a little bit about the dial design and the hand design that makes the light pop, but. I'm guessing you probably could have done just a regular stainless steel, non-DLC coated uh, or non-PVD coated watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did you go black watch, white dial with this? I, I mean, I'm sure it helps with the LED and it helps with the design, but like walk us through the design process because this is a this is a piece on the wrist. It is, it is not a small watch. It's not a overly large watch, but it is yeah. in and of itself. It's a bit of a statement piece.
2: No, it is. I mean, it, there's no question. It's a, it's a chunky, it's a chunky watch, right? It it's uh, you feel it, you know, you're wearing it for sure. Um, and uh, the entire design process was really driven by, this is the first watch that has this technology, right? This is the first watch that has this technology, who is going to be using it, who do we want to be using it? Right. And what do we want them to feel when they're wearing it? Right. Um, and so that meant we wanted it to feel like I can, if I need to, I can bang this thing against something right i'm not going to be afraid i'm not going to baby it in any way right because it's it's designed to be dependable it's designed to be reliable it's designed to always be functioning right and to, to perform its job um and so all of that wrapped up it was sort of like okay we could do something you know and and we've had people be like oh man what? you know basically basically people who are like why doesn't it look more like a submariner or something <laughs> right like sorry um <laughs> and, 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 and the reason it doesn't is because we wanted to have pvd coding so that you know it can just basically get banged up a lot. We wanted to make it entirely out of steel, you know, it's, which is tough. Um, it, it's not going to get, you know, dinged too badly. Um, and, and we wanted it to be really functional in terms of like, can you read it quickly? It had to be super fast speed to read. Right. Because if you're, you know, like holding a couple things or something like looking at it, you, I want it to be like super fast to read. And so that's why you've got the high contrast dial. Um, You know, the the dial's color does need to be a a light color in order to actually reflect the light towards you. Um, So, uh, you know, unless we get into some like really um, special optics stuff, you're probably not going to see any too many dark dials uh, with this technology soon. Right. Um, So that was that was a part of it. And then also, you know, you talk about the hands the hands were designed very specifically to be very shape specific right um so that you can see clearly uh hour hand versus minute hand i mean basically i went through to be honest with you like i went through my sort of like list of pet peeves with watches that i loved but otherwise wasn't wearing because i, I when nothing irks me like looking at my wrist and be like wait a minute, what what time is it like you know like that pause when i had a you know I forget, I can't remember what, this was not like an expensive watch I had, but it was, it was like a watch that I really loved, except that every time I looked at it, I was like dazzled by it. It had like, you know, like a reflective dial and it had like, everything was reflective. It had these applied indices, which were, you know, uh, and, and, and so every time I looked at it, I was just like, whoa, I can't even look at this thing. Right. It's like reflecting every light in the room. And it was beautiful, like in the, in the watch case, but then when you put it on your wrist and tried to use it, it was like useless. Um, and so everything on the watch is like matte colored, right? There's very little to reflect anything. It's got a sapphire glass that's completely flat. Um, so you can just sort of look straight through it. Um, and and the same one was true for the, the finishing and like the the, the bezel numbers, right? They have big chunky bezel numbers, make it really clear where the zero is. Um, uh, all of that stuff was just designed for, you know, almost pure function. Um, and then when we sort of finished, designing the watch and i you know i was i was a lead on this of course working in cooperation with um my watchmakers in switzerland um at the at the end of it it was only then that i sort of realized i was like wow there's like in making a very very functional watch it actually sort of looks like a camera or like a or like a firearm or something like that right it was like oh those are other things that have been designed to be like you know like you know foolproof right like it needs you need to be able to use it First and foremost, and then whatever aesthetic it has, it's that functional aesthetic, right? Um, and so that's sort of the the genesis of the whole design. And I mean, it you know to the extent that um, there are going to be future, and we've got a couple of other watches in the pipeline, um, I'm excited to um, you know sort of branch out. I think it's always going to be very functional watches, but um, but like you know PVD coated black, all that stuff just made a ton of sense for this first one. And so far, I mean. A, uh, it's actually even surprised me. A lot of people who've actually bought the watch are EMTs and like policemen and firemen, like basically people who I was sort of had in mind when I was designing this thing for that purpose. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. Actually, they do find it useful in that way. Um, so, you know, that, that's that been like the whole, and, you know, I didn't want, I didn't really want to design a watch around this new technology that was an homage to something else. That would be really, I think, jarring, right? Um, <laughs> you're like, oh, it's... it's uh, you know, it's, it's a 50 fathoms homage with the a, a new illumination system people would be so confused. Like what, what is this? Um, anyway, so that, that's my pontification about that.
1: Well, I mean that, that makes a ton of sense. And, and one of the other brands that we've had on the podcast, um, that did something here recently, we've had, we had uh, the North American CEO from Oris on, uh, VJ Geronimo awesome. and they came out with a pretty cool new caliber and it was like I, we were all, I think, kind of waiting to see what watch it would go in. And it went in their aquas and we we're like, well, it would have been cool if they would have come out with a whole new line for this. But of all their caliber or of the, all their watches, you need to put it in the modern one, like a brand new modern caliber in a Diver 65 doesn't make sense because that's a very heritage piece that harkens back on their history. It's the same thing like what you're saying. There's no reason to design something that looks like all these watches that we love from from ages ago with this brand new technology. This needs to be something new. And it is, it's, it's very, very much a new watch that has its own design language. That's that's and the way you're describing everything like that, that makes perfect sense. And I, I think it's very interesting because of all the brand owners we've had on, you're the one who was one really trying to solve a problem and not a design aesthetic. And then two, your design was completely form following function. You wanted this thing to be completely legible in low light in a way that was high contrast so that you know you like you said you needed a reflective dial so that it would pick up the very low LEDs and you needed the low light LEDs because you need that battery to last long enough. So I mean it, it's all just you're solving the problem and the whole watch relates to that same issue. It is a it is a tool watch through and through which is, I think is is one of the one of the things that I find very interesting this whole quandary of what is a tool watch nowadays because let's be real most watches aren't as accurate as what you see on your cell phone. And the other beauty of this is, is not only do you have a tool watch that is very good in very low light situations, but you also used a quartz movement, which we all know is more accurate than any of the mechanical stuff we put on our wrist, which is again, this all goes hand in hand, which is why this watch had to have a very good quartz movement. And like, it all just, it all makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, and,
2: and like, I and the number of people who've been like, Oh, it's not, you know, it's not an automatic, make it an automatic. Um, I appreciate that. Like, and and I when I was originally designing it, I was thinking, like, well, that would be cool in an automatic, but I don't I don't see guys who like love automatics being like, I've got an automatic that I throw a battery into, right? Like that just seemed yeah. a little bit dissonant to me. Uh, and I was like, and plus I want to make this for the person who's just gonna like use the hell out of it, right? And Most people who are going to use the hell out of a watch, they want it to be set and forget, right? And I mean, even among people who might have automatics, I mean, like this type of watch, you're not wearing it because necessarily, you know, like my Omega Seamaster, this thing has so much sentimental value for me. um, That's why I wear it. It gives me this, you know, it's a dress watch. It's beautiful. That's why I wear that watch. I wear the coefficient because I'm like, I got another time and I don't want to care if like I like slam my hand against, uh, you know, the pylon out by the the target or something like that, right? um that's that's sort of the whole ethos that that ties together uh, the design of this watch. And I also thought, you know most of the classic watches that we think about, right, were some form follows function like built for a purpose, like all the categories we talk about, right? Fliegers and dive watches and field watches, right? They were all like some originally like for a purpose watch. And I thought, why would it make sense for me to try to like imitate that stuff? This is a new type of product. It should just stand on its own, you know, best case scenario. It's, uh, you know, it's sort of its own little funny classic from uh, 20 years hence, you know? (laughs)
1: I mean, people are still going to be having babies, I feel like, That's right. going it's forward. The so it's the, the, the baby market. nighttime feeding market, there it is. I mean, and I, here's the other thing, too. People, like dogs and babies, people spend a ton of money on both of those. So, I mean.
2: Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going dog dog to <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, so the, so like, joke about this. Is This is going to go off on a bit of a tangent. And I would love to have him on the podcast. So, if he's a listener, reach out. There is an account on Instagram called dog poopy watch, which <laughs> if you've never seen it, it is a bunch of dogs photo. He never responded to me. He, I know I tried to, it's a bunch of dogs, essentially photo bombing people doing wrist shots. It's essentially people taking wrist shots with their dog, taking a dump in the background, which is hysterical. Again, this is, <sighs> this is, this is, like, this is the type of account where you're like, Oh man. And, and, and we know and love Brodinky and he does a really good job of keeping us all grounded in this hobby. But man, people purposely taking pictures of watches with their dogs pooping in the background is just like the, the epitome of like being completely self-aware in this hobby, which I love. But I, for the longest time I was trying to do an attempt of, so I have a Cassie, I have a couple of Casios where, you know, you can press the back and the backlight can either be on for one or three seconds. So I'm trying really hard with one of my Casios with the Casio Royal. It has that like nice yellow backlight that's, that lights up the whole watch. I'm trying really hard at 3 or 4 a.m. The occasional time that my dog gets up to go outside to get that picture. And I can't quite get it all to focus right. Oh. So maybe, maybe we need a coefficient in the picture. Yeah. I, don't have to worry about I don't need to worry about having the three seconds to get the light, like to get that shot. Like it's just always well. on. He this
2: can, is the part he can take motion. a long. He can take a long shit. He can take a short shit. He can, whatever you need.
1: <laughs> it's, it's on. All the- this is a really weird tangent, but like again, dogs and babies, and then <laughs> dogs photo your wrist shots with dumps.
3: Just market segmentation, baby. That's all it that's is. That's
1: all it is. Oh man, no, it's a really weird tangent to be on, but I don't know why. I, but like, it is. Like I was trying to get the first Loom shot dog poopy watch, and I haven't done it yet. I've gotten close. But I think I think I'm onto something here. Like Bigfoot, I'm onto right? something. <laughs> it is. It is yeah. like Bigfoot. First, the very
2: first. This is it. The first dog poofy loom shot. <laughs> Send it out over the wires.
1: They've done it. Oh man, they've. <laughs> it's the perfect watch for it. You don't have to worry about having to make sure. Oh, press click, press click, press focus, click. <laughs> like just the exact the exact problem of trying to know. Like you can't do that with a baby in your arms either. Like it's it's the whole. So it's I
2: literally it's like, and I literally with my G Shock that, that I tried to use half the time when I was um, with my kid at night, like I would press the button and then I'd like it wasn't quite at the right angle and the light would go out before I could read the time. That
1: really, <laughs> was crazy. yeah, was <laughs> me mean, crazy. It, it, yeah. And the funny thing is, so like we have like the baby monitors, dude, they the baby monitors can throw off a little bit of light, like depending on which one you have. And the funny thing is, like my and this blows my mind because like. Vaughn can sleep through a lot at this point. He's our youngest and our older one Pierce was kind of the same way, but like we have a video, ba- th- this <laughs> grandpa don't tell Rachel. I said this on the podcast. I know you're listening. He's going to tell, he's got, I'm going to get so in trouble for this. Not, not that in trouble, but we have a video baby monitor just like everybody does nowadays. It's a video baby monitor that we aim. Not it doesn't even show. It doesn't show the baby at all. We use it at cam because there's enough, Residual daylight from through the blinds that you can kind of see it. So, But at night, she felt that the the little temperature gauge on it that tells you how warm it is in there was too bright and might wake him up. So we put it next to the crib aimed at the wall so that he doesn't see it. So when he's crying or fussing in the middle of the night, the video screen's worthless. You can't tell whether he's standing up, whether he's laying down, because, because it might be too much light it might be too much light.
3: (laughs) No. Okay. So I'm I'm sorry, but, but you're wrong. And and now it's a whiskey and baby monitors podcast.
1: It is. Yeah, it is. We we spent, or somebody spent money to buy us this baby monitor and we like, and with Pierce, we used it and we put it on a shelf and I rigged it back up. And for whatever reason, she didn't like, Vaughn's a slightly different sleeper than Pierce was. She's like, Nope, we got to put it on the ground. You can't like, it's too much light. It's like, Oh,
3: let me solve. Why do this. we have? Why do we have a
1: video monitor?
3: No, no, no! Stop ranting. Let me solve your problem. <laughs>
1: okay, okay. So my problem yeah. is. <laughs>
3: You take masking tape and you just masking tape over that temperature display. We have one, and we probably have the same one. Now, granted, so, I had to put quite a few layers of masking tape over it. Man, as an engineer, it, it calms it down, Let's and then. On the video, no. so in the video, when, when you check them and the the LEDs light up to, to give it the low light capability, my daughter can see it. She'll notice it if she's up and if she's messing around instead of sleeping, she'll see it and then, like, drop down and, like, you know, go back to sleep
1: because she knows that we're watching them. So, so what I will say is we tried up. that. We, we tried that, and it drove the temperature up. Oh, and we gets, it, it overheated. I
2: said, I said, what are your thoughts, Spangler? What, what's your input on the baby monitor switch?
0: It, it just makes me just not want to have kids even more. That was a hot take.
1: <laughs> there you go. You got <laughs> You're wearing a, not, you a monitor.
0: baby monitor. Like, I feel like I just, would rather put my money into like a cheap Seiko than a baby monitor,
1: but that's just me. But go, uh, go on, guys. So despite so the solution, <laughs> tried taping over it. And it drove the temperature sensor up too high. So like it would overheat the baby monitor and screw it up. So that was why we, we tried that. Don't worry. Um, maybe the one that we have is an older version. I don't know. Pierce is older than Catherine. So maybe they improved upon that in the year in between the two of them. Uh, also, Spangler has a corgi that he carries in a backpack. So I don't know. I'm That's
0: true. She, she's my child. I mean, I, I'm not going to like sit here and not say that she's not my child because it, she kind of is.
2: So what kind of um, corgi monitor do you have?
0: It's, it's my ears and it's when I hear her bark, oh. which is like all the time. So it's pretty like I'm pretty like spot on. I know it's like I know what's going on, to say the least.
1: I will say this. It's been a while since she's made an appearance on the podcast. She was a frequent guest earlier in the year, um, but it's been a while.
0: (laughs) That's true. The insulation of my parents' house with her being a level below makes it a lot easier to not
1: hear her during the podcast. That's very true. That is very true. So you're welcome. So we're just about to the hour mark, and I would be remiss if we didn't ask uh, John about his ties to uh, the Cincinnati area. So you know, we're all three of us are in Cincinnati. Uh, Buzz and I are transplants, but Spangler's a, a proud native, and uh, we do know that John's got some family down here. Who, Merriman, I may have some connections to uh, one of our uh, one of our local breweries here. So why don't we talk a little bit about your Cincinnati connections, John? That's
2: right. Well, I mean, my my actually my whole the whole Weber side of the family. I don't know if you know this, but there's some Germans who lived in Cincinnati, and uh, the whole Weber there's side of a the few, family,
0: yes. <laughs>
2: um, the whole other side of the family is from Cincinnati and uh, so I still have lots of family there um, and uh, uh, <clears throat> my cousin lives in a, uh, wor- works at the Rheingeist Brewery um, so I know all about all of that beautiful craft beer that you guys have down there and I'm always you know looking at his like Facebook posts and thinking to myself like man I gotta get down to Cincinnati get some Rheingeist um, and, and yeah we're <laughs> alright yeah huh? Um, all right. anyway, uh so yeah, we come down there every year. Uh usually for you know pre-COVID times we would we would have our family reunions at my uncle's farm uh, over in Bethel. Uh but yeah, I mean my dad, you know, went to Xavier. Um the whole family is sort of like I, I ate getta growing up, which is you know okay. that's oh, very yeah. there you go. There you go. uh and I still love that stuff. You know, I would actually yeah. occasionally I, I would actually occasionally order Glear's Geta like to be sent to me packed through the mail. Uh, and I would feed it to people and I'd be like, isn't this delicious? And people are like, what is this?
3: <laughs> like, it's delicious. It's like a sausage with oats so good. in it. It's so exactly. good. What, what's your take on Scrapple? You mentioned that you w- lived uh, in the East for a while.
2: Yeah. Scrapple. I don't
3: know. Does Scrapple, it do it for you?
2: No, no. I, I, I feel like I once you've come it. up with, once you've come up with uh with getta, I don't know. I just, I immediately feel like there's a tension between getta and scrapple, and so I'm like, I gotta pick size here. I'm a getta man, um, but but that's probably you know, it's like whatever got to you first, right? I, and yeah, I didn't, I didn't need too much it's scrapple when I was in
1: Virginia. When when we moved down here, I've been down here for just over six years, and like everyone was like, I always saw them as okay. I gotta try what it's like, like. What is this? And like, oh, it's just like sausage with oats, in it. and it's like. You got to, you got to get it the right way. You got to fry it just a little bit crisp on either side. It's got to be just a little crunch. It's, and I, I've, it's funny. We actually took some, so my wife's from Colorado and we took some with us out there one year and we made it for breakfast and everyone was like, this is really good. Like, how have I never heard of this? Like, it's like, we didn't eat like, and I like, I'm from South Bend, I, Indiana, not really that yeah. far away. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where you're just like, how have I not heard of this before? It's so good. It is so good. I absolutely love Getta. And like my kids all like they're obviously they're born in Cincinnati. They're, they're stuck. They, they love it. Like ruined, Pearson ruined. Bond, love it. Just love it. Uh, yeah, but nice you got to cook it the right way because if you don't get it a little crispy.
2: Yeah, no, no, I agree. Crispier the better, right? Crispier the better because if you do it under it, it's sort of like porridge, weird porridgey stuff. But here's the real yeah, question. Yeah, This is the real Cincinnati question is where you stand on Skyline, right? Um Ooh. and skyline, okay. there's a thumbs up from Buzz. I just saw uh,
3: a <laughs> strong thumbs, thumbs up.
2: Down. Yeah, I so Sp- Spangler, you're the native, right? You're the one native, and you gave it a thumbs down. I am. So I'm the
0: one native, and I am the one person that is probably in the minority, mm-hmm. which I know I will be. So you but don't like either.
2: you don't like watery noodles and like a weird like meat sluice on top of that. So here's the deal. Like I, I appreciate a
0: a good chili. Give me a second here. Okay, (laughs) I appreciate a good chili for
2: listeners. Old Star is another chili brand. Yeah, Cincinnati only for some reason.
0: Yeah, so for only so for our listeners that are not in Cincinnati, we love to put chili on spaghetti noodles. For whatever reason, it tastes delicious. Not really chili
2: either. It's just a meat sauce. It's a meat
0: sauce. Yeah, whatever. Um, it's some type of meat on do spaghetti. And that's what we do here. And there are two brands. There's Skyline, which is the one that everyone knows. And then there's Gold Star. And I was raised on Gold Star. I've had Skyline plenty of times. Don't get me wrong here. I've tried both uh, numerous times. So I've, I've had the experience of both. And I will say from my perspective... Gold star is the superior chili brand in Cincinnati as a Cincinnati native. And I am clearly, clearly in the minority from people that I've spoken to gold star is superior. And I will go to my grave thinking that
2: there you go. I love
0: it.
1: I love it. I love here it here first. So we, the the kids absolutely like both of the kids absolutely love skyline. We, the skyline is closest to us. We go to skyline. I've, I've had both, I don't really know that I have a preference. We've just consistently gone to Skyline. I, and I've got another story about Cincinnati Chili that we'll get to that I think John's family will appreciate, at least his dad, um, to a degree. Um, You'll have to ask your dad about this place if he's been there. I guarantee – he went to Xavier, I guarantee he has. Um, but what I will say to people who who are weirded out by Skyline is – you need to try a cheese coney because yes, yes, chili on spaghetti with. I mean, my brother grew up at Steak and Shake with the chili mac. It's not the same, but it's close. Like the chili on, like it, chili on spaghetti is an acquired taste with a bunch of cheddar cheese. You whatever beans, whatever you put on it. You know, I always get the five way. I'm I'm all about spaghetti, chili, beans, onions, cheese, just all of it on there. It's great. But if that's not you're your, all them, the I, yeah, if you're not about, if you're not about that, the Skyline chili is the perfect coney dog chili. So that is the thing. If you put that chili onions and cheese on a hot dog with a steamed bun, just try that first and you'll get it. Like you don't have to do the chili or the, 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 the chili on the spaghetti, get a cheese cookie. Cause everyone likes a good chili dog. Who doesn't like a good chili dog cheese? Like, and they're phenomenal. Like I grew, I grew up with chili dogs. Like this one is top notch. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a Coney boy
3: through and through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three ways, five ways. You yeah, know, the, Putting it on spaghetti, it's good. But the quickest route to figuring out what the heck Cincinnati chili is. And yes, I know it's not a chili in the, the classical sense. Everyone get over yourself about that. It is a meat paste. <laughs> Shakespeare taste told you. Billy Shakespeare himself rose by any other name, would still smell as sweet. And delicious meat paste, you can call it chili. You can call it Cincinnati chili. It doesn't matter. Connie's, it's where it's at.
1: So the the story that I'm gonna go down the rabbit hole is you know, Skyline, the franchise, the organization isn't what really event- invented Cincinnati Chili. And I believe what was it? Was it, was it Dixie Chili or Price Hill Chili? I, whichever. The nice thing about Cincinnati is most of the neighborhoods have their own little chili parlors. Chili Parlor is essentially a restaurant that has its own version of what is affectionately known just regionally as Skyline. So there are a bunch of chili parlors in all of the different little neighborhoods. There's Blue Ash Chili, there's Price Hill Chili, and then in my former neighborhood, there is Pleasant Ridge Chili, PRC, and I know that is a huge Xavier After Bar Close hangout, to the point which I have some friends from college who the guy's father Known affectionately as the Judge, is a judge in Northern Michigan, and he's in his sixties. He went to Xavier, and went to PRC. Like he, like when, 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 when they talked about, oh, we live in Pleasant Ridge. He goes, oh, have you been to PRC yet? It's literally at the top of our street. I lived on Langdon Farm Road. At Langdon Farm in Montgomery, right there is PRC. Honestly, the dish they're most known for is their gravy cheese fries, but they're like. I miss PRC. It's been a while since I've been there. Maybe I'm going to go there this weekend. I don't know. It's one of those things. You will. I haven't been there in a while. Now, now I've got a hankering for it. Now i got gravy, to get some gravy.
2: Gravy, gravy. cheese but fries.
1: <laughs> John, you need to ask your dad if he's ever been to PRC, and he'll know Crazy. exactly what I'm talking about.
2: <laughs> I feel like I started to get indigestion just hearing those words to put together. Just,
1: just like they're amazing. Painful. They're the crinkle cut fries. They're thicker. Oh, they're so good. Oh yeah, they pre- I used to. And the other thing too, they're closed on Sundays, but they are open until four a.m. every other day. <laughs> so, uh, so I'll chime in here. Okay, good. You
0: mentioned um, uh, Price Hill Chili. I, I will second that one. That's also a very amazing chili. If you're in the Cincinnati area, also Camp Washington Chili.
1: Yes, is also very good. But uh, what I would say is, John, I feel like. If you explain to your dad kind of why the watch needs to work, just say, hey man, when the bars close and you're walking to PRC at three AM,
2: ah. you
0: need to be able
1: to tell what time it is. <laughs> there it is. It ties it all together. <laughs> yes. Boom.
2: <laughs> we'll also get yes, we're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna go coast to coast with extremely regionally oriented advertising. And that's perfect for our yes. like fifty feet between the two points in Cincinnati you just mentioned. So perfect.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> It's, so, you know, now that we've gone down that rabbit hole, I think I think the last thing we need to ask, you've got the coefficient, you have a few more coming in or, or that have come in that you're getting out for the holiday season. Yes. Obviously, this one has been a, a pretty a pretty good success for you guys. Mm-hmm. Where do you guys go next? I mean, I, I, you said you have a couple of other watches in the pipeline. This one is obviously a very tool-oriented watch, bi-directional mm-hmm. bezel, yes. good water resistance. What uh, what are you guys thinking about next? Are you guys going more field? Or are you guys going more diver? Or like, what what are you guys thinking? Like, there's there's a yeah, lot of different ways you can take this technology. Where are you gonna go?
2: Yeah, I mean, my impulse with the next one in the product line here, uh, at least within Par Weber, is to go a little bit simpler, right? We've got the bidirectional bezel, we've got the time bezel, blah blah blah. I think it makes more sense to go a little bit simple, and so that's sort of what we've got in in the, in the fire right now. But I'm also um, something I'm excited about and. Uh, is is getting this particular technology, maybe even finding a few other markets that it could serve, right? Like we're talking about, sort of like first responder rescue types. I think there are probably other spaces out there, even more consumer uh, type spaces where people would be interested in it. And so, um, you know, this is just a tease, but um, but uh, I'm looking to even uh, extending it into another brand and 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 maybe even getting outside even just the Par name with the next uh, with the next release. So stay tuned for that.
1: Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Well, you know, John, we really appreciate you coming on. I think, uh, Buzz, do you have any more technical questions that we would like to get into? Or you can you think take those we're, uh, offline or if or you'd now? like.
2: You can just call me right <laughs> up. We're just Let's just do another – we can do our own episode and play it back for ourselves.
1: <laughs> I mean, in fairness, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't enjoy listening to it. We talked about it a little bit earlier. This is a fairly nerdy hobby. So, I mean, like, I'm sure there are plenty of people who are going to be really – Really interested in all the stuff that we were able to talk about tonight. And and John, we really appreciate you coming on, talking about something that a lot of people aren't doing. This is a completely new technology in a wristwatch. All right. So and if I'm remembering correctly, the Enduro Loom's mainly manufactured in the United States, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was like a huge priority for me to manufacture as much of it in the States as possible and was a big challenge. I mean, the biggest challenge probably was figuring out how to get electronics made in the States. And um, and then some of the actual like LED diffuser manufacturing, the actual LED array itself that fits underneath the the, the hands of the watch. And um, uh, fortunately, we do have some manufacturing infrastructure here in the States uh, in MedTech, for example, there we've got some for all this high value add stuff. There's there's manufacturing. And so after casting about a bunch and I mean, I'm not like a manufacturing, guy. I've never manufactured a product before. But I do have the advantage of being naive and a bit overconfident, and uh, and so I just started, you know, like looking at looking up stuff and contacting companies and and being like, "What do you think? Is this possible?" And even when they say, "No, this isn't possible," we go, "Well, what if you do this, right?" And uh, and <laughs> and you work with. Them. So I was fortunate to find basically electronics manufacturer based out of Texas who was willing to work with me. Um, this was after I'd spoken with someone at the. There's 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 an incubator here in Chicago who I was affiliated with and it was great it was 18 it was called 1871 um, and and I spoke with, I spoke with one electronics manufacturer guy there and he like looked at my handmade prototypes and he's like this looks hideous this is terrible he's like I don't want to work with this I was like no no you're supposed to give me advice you're you're the mentor uh, <laughs> and it's just like all these these are just like a small snapshot of like the things that I dealt with trying to figure out how to manufacture the thing. Um, But really fortunate that ultimately I found a specialty type of injection mold. You need specialty molding because any standard type injection molding destroys electronics. So Mm -hmm. there's like all of these tricky bits to figure out. And I've just been incredibly fortunate that I think, you know, living in Chicago, there's still a little bit of manufacturing around here. And so we we have a a partner um, here in Chicago who helps us actually do the final finishing on the endurance parts. And, you know, it's not 100% USA made. It's 80% U.S. content, uh, because obviously some things are just not made here anymore, uh, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, but yeah, really proud of that. And, I mean, it, it does it does irk me a little bit that uh, our watch, it can't be called Swiss made, because it's got a little too much like U.S. made stuff in it. And it can't be called made in the USA, because the standards for made in the USA are very high, actually. Um, so we try to be as transparent as possible. You know, it, it is the illumination system is made here in the States. 80% US content. The watch is a Swiss movement. It's assembled in Switzerland. Um, but you know, so that's sort of the mouthful that we have to say in order to be transparent. But um, you know, I was really pleased to hear that you guys thought the build quality was spot on. That was incredibly important for me. Um and and, you know, res- mad respect to, to my watchmakers in Switzerland.
1: Yeah, I mean it's 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 a joy like it's fun to see in, in person. It's one of those where you're looking at you're right. Like, Pictures don't do it justice. You get it in 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 person. You're like, this is a piece. This is actually this is something that has some wrist presence. It's got a great mechanical feel to the bezel. It like like Buzz said, it the the second's hand hits every single plot. It just it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of us, a lot of us watch nerds are like, oh quartz. Oh, then then we talk about Grand Seiko quartz. All the hangups you have about quartz, the way this thing feels on the wrist, the way the movement works and the way, I mean, this wouldn't make sense as a mechanical watch with the enduro. I mean, th- if you're looking for something that has these attributes, this watch makes perfect sense in my head. Right. Like it all, it all works. So like, and, and the fact <laughs> that you to do something like this and, and make as much as you can in the States is fantastic. I mean, it's, it's yeah. just great.
2: I mean, even our packaging is made here. There's a, literally a box factory 15 minutes from my house that the packaging is made in, and I pick it up in my car. So, I mean, there's things I didn't even realize. Like, there's 15 minutes from my house. I had no idea. Um, and it is sort of a shame about about Quartz that it gets, you know, that everyone shits on it so much. I mean, and, and, and not only that, because it's like, it is, I think, good and reliable and suits this, the, the, the purpose of this watch perfectly. It does. But also, it's, uh, I mean, people don't even know this, but it, like, Quartz timekeeping is an American invention. It was invented in America at bell labs in the twenties. Like nobody, like this is our claim to fame people. Um, you know, and, and nobody even talks about that. I mean, so I, to me, it's like a little bit of a shame. I, I think that courts movements are cool. Generally I have, I have automatics. I have manual wines and I also have quartz what, but I'm one of those people who just thinks it's all very, very cool.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, so the funny thing, and I'll go back to rec- recording on my grandfather's birthday. Um, the one conversation I had with him and he is hundred percent right. It, it was called the quartz crisis for a reason. It's because quartz is the latest quartz is the latest technology. Um, they haven't found a way to put an atomic clock on your wrist yet. So, but like mm-hmm. quartz is the latest. It's the most accurate. It does a better job than any of the little mechanical stuff we can put on the wrist. And if it fits with the design and it works with the aesthetic, I don't see, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm becoming more quartz agnostic. If it's a cool watch and it works with the design, why does it matter what's in there? You know, it's all doing the same thing. Like, like,
2: I mean, I, I totally get it when people are like, that's just like a Submariner homage with a quartz movement. And it's like, yeah, I mean, like, what, what's the point? I don't get it. Right. right, right. Um, Like if you want the real article, you want the real article. Um, But if there's like, like, I, you know, I don't know if you guys have solar watches or if if you've got any of those watches that like take advantage of the fact that you've got a quartz movement or, um, you know, like any radio, you know, any atomic watch is just a quartz watch with a radio that's synchronized it um you know all of that stuff is super super handy and i'd I love the set and forget nature of uh of of quartz movements and, and the coefficient i picked it up today like i got three of them like they're all always like same second and i'm always like this is amazing how do they do this like i've got three of them here they're like freaking synchronized uh and i leave them for weeks um anyway i still I, i'm just amazed by that
1: it's it's pretty neat and like i said it The coefficient wouldn't make sense without that in there. I mean, with with the problem you were solving and the technology put in, it is it is its own unique timepiece, and I think that is what makes it cool. You've you've built something that is wholly unique, and and it just it works. It works. It fits its purpose. It's 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 purpose built. It it goes. I can't think of, I can't think of, a, I don't know how I, I'm, I'm kind of rambling on again. I tend to do this at the end of longer episodes, but like, <laughs> I can't think of that. I can't think of the coefficient with the problem that you were setting out to solve looking and feeling any different. And I wouldn't want it to look like anything else. Like it, it makes sense. It's its own unique design. And I think it works. And that is, I think, thank you. It's so cool. About. About. I appreciate that. Thank so. you. John, we really appreciate you coming on. I love the little Cincinnati tie and I love the little rabbit hole. Like this episode seems like it's all about the rabbit holes, which um, I know our listeners <laughs> love all seven of them. Yep, I'm going to get ragged on for joking that we only have seven listeners, but I don't care because it's funny to me. <laughs> we have more than that, but it's great. And thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we really enjoyed the time with the coefficient. There's going to be a review up at some point on Zeit's watches. I think buzz may even have it written Spangler. Um, looking at you (laughs) see if we can get it up on there i know i know you had finals we're working on it and i know the cabin didn't have wi-fi which is why last week's episode had some really crappy editing on my part so i apologize for that that is is true for everyone that went and listened to last week's episode
0: i was in the middle of absolute nowhere which i did (laughs) thought to think that there would be wi-fi but there wasn't so you know if if you found the last week's editing was like a little subpar, you know, blame somebody else.
1: That's just fine. I learned I was today years old when I learned how to edit that episode. Uh, and that's <laughs> why it was up a day. So anyway, um, John, we really appreciate you coming on, um, dealing guys, with, a with all of this. It's been a ton of fun. And you know something, when you have your next one come out, we'd love to see it. We'd love to have you on again, talk about the design, get awesome. into or what you're what you're working on and uh, we, you know we wish you the best of luck because what you're doing is truly unique and that's I think that's something that should be celebrated
2: thank you thank you and I'll let you guys know when I'm down in uh, Porcopolis again
1: yes do that right. Hello, we'll hey. meet up for one of the many beers. hey yeah, he, he threw it in there we got it all done we got it all in we got it all in so we'll, we'll have to have a uh, one of the many many craft beers probably some guest when you're uh, when you're in town next brilliant, brilliant, all right. brilliant take it easy guys. see ya
3: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We are enthusiasts, not experts, so don't at us. But you can find us on Instagram at whiskey.and.watches.podcast. Also, visit our website at zeitzwatches.com Zeitz is spelled Z E I T Z.